DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jonathan Fagan joins us, Houston Rockets writer for the Houston Chronicle. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning. Jonathan, we don't know you, but we recognize your name, and we were curious, before we get started here with the first question, how long have you been covering the NBA? How long have you been covering the Rockets? I've been the beat guy for 22 C. I, okay, I've finished 20 seasons, so a little more than 22 years I've been on the beat. And I'm looking at the Rockets' record in that span. They haven't had, now they just had a losing season, obviously, but that is the first losing season they've had since 2006, and they haven't had back-to-back losing seasons since the early 80s, 83-84. That is a remarkable run. Uh, Are they going to rebuild on the fly, or are they about to have back-to-back losing seasons? (laughs) <laughs> the odds are they'll have back-to-back losing seasons. Uh, I mean, they're going to take the long rebuild plan, probably. But if they luck into something, let's say they make a trade, John Wall or Eric Gordon, guys who have larger salaries, and bring somebody back that changes everything. Or for that matter, if they get real healthy and stay healthy with some of the veterans uh, who broke down last year, everybody broke down last year. But Maybe they have a, they have a chance at, at around 500, but I don't think they're going to do anything that that really damages the long rebuild just for next season. So, also too, what's the management situation? Because Dennis Lindsay, to a degree, is available. I don't know that he would be, but you know, because he says he's going to be consulting here with the Jazz. He has those Texas roots. Can you inform us? about what's going on from the front office perspective? Well, Rafael Stone is the general manager, and he hasn't completed one full calendar year yet. So I would think they'd give him more time to rebuild than that. And Rafael was with the organization for 14 years. So he's been there. That's quite a long time, actually, in this business. So they have a lot of faith in him, a lot of belief in him, and in the front office in general. They are adding people, although if they don't add a couple in the next week or so, they'd probably put it off till after the draft because things get pretty busy and sort of the roles they're adding aren't necessarily people you need right away. But that's under Rafael Stone. Right. That's not a right. position that Dennis would, would be in. They, Dennis would obviously run his own shop. Okay. So, no, they're not looking. So the draft is a chance to improve. Houston has got a lot of picks, the number two pick, and then later on picks 23 and 24. Who are they excited about? What is the plan? Where is this going? I was going to ask you if they would trade those picks to bring some veterans in, but if they're going to go with the long rebuild, then I would think you'd invest in rookies. Well, certainly with the number two pick. I, I, I mean, Rafael made a big point that, we're going to keep every option open and consider everything, including moving if we draft. He said all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, they're going to make the pick with the second pick. Uh, I really believe they want to take their chance on getting their future star. And you can do that with the second pick. You might not get it, but that's a good way to build. 23 and 24, uh, anything could happen. I could see them using that, using the combination of picks or future picks to move up. 
if somebody slips that they really like, if they find somebody really undervalued, a veteran that they can get with one of those picks, I could see that. Most likely they'll pick three times, but the 23 and 24 – all the options is like they say all the options are open. Detroit says all the options are open. Well, they're really not. But with 23 and 24, yeah, any, anything could happen. I can absolutely see them moving up. Teams in recent years with too many first-round picks have used one just to sort of restock for future years, to trade a late first for a future second even. I don't think – those are good teams that have done that. I don't think the Rockets would do that. So you look at this team on paper anyway, I could argue that the strength of the team is in the guard line or in the perimeter players. Uh, Gordon is a proven commodity, but he's 32 years old. Wall, somewhat injury-prone, obviously, 30 years old, making $41 million. Man, that seems outrageous. And they got a couple nice young players. I think Christian Wood is a kid on the come that you can – get some production out of and get better, particularly as uh, if he can find a way to get stronger and all that stuff. House is a decent player. With that in mind, as far as that draft pick, uh, I don't know that Cunningham's going to go one. I I would assume if he's available that the Rockets would take him. I personally like the kid Suggs from Gonzaga, but Mobley from SC is probably going to be there too. So what do you think they do with that pick? Okay. Well, as the guys you've mentioned, two two of the main parts of the rebuilding are guys you didn't mention, Kevin Porter Jr. and K.J. Martin. And Jason Tate, I don't know that he's going to get a whole lot different, but he was first-team all-rookie team this year. Yep. So those are three important rebuilding guys because they're so young, uh, 21, 20, and Tate is a little older. So those are guys... But the Rockets are absolutely not going to concern themselves with fit, you know, who fits best next to Kevin Porter Jr. Because he, he's the, kind of their first step in really the rebuilding. He, he has potential star in him. And so he's key. But that said, uh, the guys who are going to be in the top four of the draft are good enough and versatile enough that they could fit regardless, even if they were worried that way. So you mentioned Suggs. Yeah. Well, Suggs can, can run your offense, but he can play off the ball too. And a lot, he's not a great range shooter, but from the people I've talked to, people think he will become really good, maybe even great, but that will become a strength, where it's definitely not a strength right now. Well, if that's the case, he could fit with anybody. Don't worry about fit anyway. Uh, the, the hard question is the, the – you, you kind of have a feeling for the floor of these guys. And Cade Cunningham probably has the highest floor. If things don't work out, what will he be? Well, he'll still, he's going to be good. He's going to be real good because he's, so, he's got so much going for him. Uh, the, not the elite athlete, but other than that, he's got so much going for him. It's going to work out. Maybe not superstar level because you never know with these guys. They're 19 years old. Jalen Green is the one where you get a lot of opinions where there are those who feel like of the group, he's the one who could have superstar potential, but more volatile in terms of, you know, where the floor is compared to the ceiling, the the biggest gap between those two. I would think the Rockets getting back in the top four for the first time since Yao Ming 
will say, go for upside. You know, let, let's see who can be a star, unless they absolutely feel somebody's just much better. But it, 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 a lot of this is going to be taste. You know, some people like vanilla, some like chocolate. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, Mobley, you can make a case for almost any of these guys. Mobley being so athletic and agile at his size, being such a difference maker defensively, you can make a case that's the guy you should take if you get a chance. He's always going to be tall. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. You're not going to get him and suddenly find out, oh, my gosh, he's actually six seven. So you have a pretty good feel for that, too. I think, though, just knowing Rafael's personality and his tastes, he's a guy who's willing to swing for the fences, which means take the guy you think is going to be best. Don't worry about fit. Don't worry about it not working out. Go for the home run. So, in Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton has made a big point of saying, hey, Chris Paul has really improved me as a player. So, if you're going young, there's a whole thought, you need to go young, and what's the point of having veterans? And the point is that they bring the young guys along. Now, Phoenix is winning, so that's a slightly different different situation than where Houston sits. For the guys who are 30 and older in Houston – do they have a future there because they think with some young guys they can win quickly? Do they move those guys because they're going for the future? Are there one of them to them or great mentors they want to hold on with these young guys? How does that work for the guys who are older and suddenly find themselves in the middle of this Rocket rebuild? Yeah, you make a great point there. The Rockets were really happy with John Wall as a leader last year, which wasn't necessarily his reputation, and it's certainly not the reason they brought him in. But he was really good at just communicating and constantly helping. When he missed time, he was not a guy who was up in a luxury suite watching. He was always involved. You know, it was just, they were really happy with that. Do you spend $90 million over the next two years for that? Of course not. You know, you can get that a lot less if they had a way to move. And that's the other thing. Because they did well in the lottery, if they had finished fifth with the fifth pick, Oklahoma City would have taken that pick and they'd have drafted 18th. I would make a case, you know what then? Try and win with veterans. Change your reputation a little bit. Look like a team on the rise to where you have a chance to get that future star in free agency. Now you have a chance to get it in the draft. It makes more sense at some point to move a veteran who makes that kind of money. You don't keep him just because of mentorship, not at that price. Um, I will say Kelly Olenek is a free agent, uh, but they have bird rights. They could bring him back using that, and he was terrific at that, really good. Uh, There was one game I remember, a guy messed up. I can't remember the play or the guy, but one of the really young guys messed up. A timeout was called, and Olenek got to him before anybody else and walked him back towards the bench talking to him. That's the thing you're talking about, where a guy in a Linux case turned 30 late in the year. Just really good at that. Uh, You're rebuilding, though. You don't have the luxury of, of paying that kind of money just for that. I also don't think you need to move, oh, gosh, we got to get John Wall out of here. No, you don't have to because he's good at those things. So you could take your time till the right deal comes to where it's not where you have to add to get someone to take the contract. 
to where maybe you can do a deal that's neutral or you even get some assets back. You know, so there's no urgency because he's not a problem. He's actually a benefit. But you don't keep him for that reason either. Yeah, as I look at their roster, you know, a healthy John Wall, I think, is a great player. Uh, but at $41 million, I mean, it's, I would think it would be hard to move him. But at the same time, when I look at guys like Bradley Gordon and Olenek, they can help teams that, that are veteran teams poised to win now. And I think that that would be much easier for them to move those types of guys and maybe get some assets in return. Do you see that scenario playing out? Well, Olenek's a free agent, so they don't have that kind of control with him. And Bradley, it's a team option. And that's an interesting one because he can be a trade-out asset to the sort of teams you're describing, to where he can be, he's a he's another guy, smart guy, has been with, always been attractive to contending teams. The Heat signed him. Before that, it was the Lakers. You know, before that, it was the Celtics. He, he's a guy that would have some value to. So, where if you do pick up your team option on him, he at five million, sure, having a mentor type is not. And then DJ Augustine, by the way, is signed. And he's also really good in that regard. And so, yeah, I could see keeping Bradley and then see when something develops uh, to where he's a trade asset. Uh, and, but that's the thing. They can't do anything about just next season. Everything has to be, how does it build? What, how, do, how does it help you down the road either to win or to make a deal that helps you win? But you're right about John Wall, at that price, it's a very small number of teams that he's a great fit, that you're overpaying regardless. But some teams, if that's the last part, and gosh, you need a point guard, maybe you're willing to do something like that. For the Rockets, it has to be, hang on to him until the time comes. Because to do a bad deal, you don't have to do one. Your hands aren't forced in his case. Jonathan Fagan joining us, Houston Rockets writer for the Houston Chronicle, longtime beat writer. I am curious if you think the Clippers can come back on the Suns or if Phoenix is headed to the NBA Finals. Well, the way you worded it, I'd say both. They can come back. I wouldn't be shocked if they get it to a Game 7 and then anything can happen. But I'm picking, I'm picking the Suns. You know, I, I don't think the Suns played very well last night. And, you know, they will. And, you know, each game further in the series, further away from his time off uh, because of COVID, I think Chris Paul is going to get stronger and stronger and do it in this series anyway. So I, I would absolutely pick the Suns. But after last night, uh, you know, I don't think anybody can. And also, Ty Lue deserves a whole lot of credit. You know, he, he's not a guy who sort of sets his rotation and that's it. We're going to rise or fall with these guys. He is absolutely willing to try and, uh, different things, and the changes he's made throughout these playoffs have worked. Uh, so that, I think it's a really interesting series. I kind of hope it goes seven just because I want as much basketball as possible before this year is over. To say nothing of which my fantasy team has three Clippers, <laughs> or two of which are playing. And Chris Paul. So either way, I, I'm going to win-win. Good for you. It's a long way to put the answer to your question, which was, I think the Suns will win, but at this point, nothing will surprise me about the Clippers. 
Last season was a bizarre season. Everything was done on Zoom, but you have one of your guys on your co- on the coaching staff. He's one of our favorites. We worked from him on television a little bit after retirement, and that's Jeff Hornacek. You got an opportunity to get to know him at all? No, not as much. I, I kind of, over the years, have talked to him more than I was able to this year yeah. because of the unusual circumstances. But obviously, he's been around so long. I have had occasions, and I talked to him over the phone a few times during the search process and way back when he was a candidate for the Rockets job uh, before he went to the Knicks. But uh, I will tell you one thing I learned. He can still shoot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then while he's waiting, like, you know, he warms up players as an assistant coach. as part of his job. And sometimes when he gets out on the court before the player, he'll take a shot or two. Yep. Uh, that's it, though. I've only seen a shot or two. But I tell you something, he can still shoot. And you know what? When you see these guys who are former players years after, their shooting form never changes. It still looks exactly the same as it did. A little less lift on his jump shot, as in now it's none. Probably, I was going to say, but, probably none now. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen this over the years. I, back, back in the day, I saw Rudy Tomjanovich shoot, and it was that same really high-release shot. These guys, a lot of them who are shooters anyway, it never changes. And uh, Jeff can still shoot. Jeff had a funny story when he'd been retired a while, and I, I don't know, two, three, five years, whatever it was, that he played in a pickup game with some pros. And he said he was really good. He might have said something other than that, but we're on the radio. So he was really good. He said, and the next morning I could barely get out of bed. He said, I went to bed thinking, I still got it. And I woke up the next morning and thought, and that's why I retired. My knees are killing me. I've heard guys say that. Uh, way back when, uh, Larry Smith was on the Rockets coaching staff. And they didn't have enough players for practice. And for, it, was a Rudy, it was the Rudy era, so I could go to practice because Rudy was the world's most cooperative coach. And... You know, in fact, the Rudy Tomjanovich Award is named after Rudy Tomjanovich for that reason. <laughs> so I was at practice. Larry Smith practiced, and he had a rule: there are no fouls on assistant coaches. Well, Larry Smith was a physical, really physical, Mister Mean player as a player, as an assistant coach, way older. He was just beating the crap out of everybody. <laughs> you know, you missed a free throw two weeks ago and cost us a game. I'm beating the crap out of you. Just beat him up all day. And so I said, you know, you look like you could keep playing. He said, wait till tomorrow. The game before the game, which was in Portland, I asked him about it. And he says, I couldn't get out of bed today. <laughs> I couldn't move. Yep. Said, you know, people don't get how tough it is to play. You know, these guys, it looks so easy. They go from end to end four times in a row, just like it's nothing. Like it's a video game and maybe your thumb gets a little tired. You know, the rest of us get out there and forget competing. Just run up and down a few times. It's just, I've seen endurance athletes. The breathing is so different that they get gassed when they say, I'll play some pickup ball. You just rode your bike 80 miles last week just for a fun afternoon. Why are you out of breath? And it's just totally different. I've I've played back in the day pickup games against guys who were in so much better shape than I could ever be in, and they'd be gassed. But because I played pickup every day, now I can keep playing. Just it's an unbelievable it, 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 the level that they get to, which I really have digressed. But 
the level they get to in conditioning, it's unreal. The guys you think are in really good shape, and all they got to get in better shape. Just a really tough sport. Jonathan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, and talking some rocket basketball with us. Always a pleasure. Right. Kind of kind of went off the rails there a little bit. No worries. That's always fun too. Say say hi to tell Jeff that you talked to two morning guys. Even if you forget uh, who we are, he'll he'll remember. <laughs> he'll know. Well, tell, I want to hear t- what he has to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you probably do. All right, tell Jeff hi. We'll talk to you. Jonathan Fagan, Houston Rockets writer for the Houston Chronicle. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, coming up next, we get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. And, Yach, what else is happening next? We've got a surprise for both of y'all. Really? We don't know, huh? You guys have no clue. This is actually really, really fun, and we'll have some fun with it. All right, we'll do that next, whatever the heck it is. Stay with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.